Hey guys, this is Kyle Porter. Welcome back to the Pistols Firing Podcast. I appreciate you guys listening and wanted to tell you about a a new thing that we started in 2019. Uh, We're sending out a daily newsletter, uh, also known as the Daily Bullets, uh, which is something that we've been doing for the last eight years on the website, but uh, just started sending it out via email. It's a little more concise. It's actually a lot more concise. It's shorter. Uh, It gets you right to the point of uh, what you need to know for the day's news in Oklahoma State world. So uh, it's it's kind of a tip sheet or a cheat sheet, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we're sending it out uh, every morning. Uh, So it's in your inbox when you get to work or when you wake up. Uh, Everything's right there for you. So if you're interested in subscribing, uh, we've got about 1,500 people that have subscribed so far, which is awesome. Um, You can go to pistolsfiringblog.com slash bullets and we would appreciate you doing that so i hope you guys enjoy the show today and we will talk again soon we are back at it welcome back to another edition of the pistols firing podcast i am carson cunningham fresh off of uh just one day of jury duty. I, I feel very fortunate. And uh, joining me as always is is Kyle Porter. Kyle, have you ever done jury duty? Uh, I've I've gone to the to the courthouse, but I've never been selected. So for whatever reason, I was able to get out of it. I don't I don't remember why. I'm probably committing a like a some sort of felony by just talking about this. But what what was your what what happened to you on Monday that that took you away for the day? So you only went one day for yours. You didn't get picked. It wasn't even a full day. It was like a couple hours. Oh my gosh, you got even luckier than I did. Okay, yeah. so I, I got my notice like you know two or three weeks ago, and you get there at eight a.m. and there's like three hundred and ninety-five people in there. Is what they said. <laughs> it's, it's wall to wall. They don't even have enough seats for everybody. And they start calling names, and it's going pretty fast. About a quarter of the room's gone within the first hour. I was like, oh, this will this won't be very long at all. And then it goes to a screeching halt because I guess some of the cases didn't start until 3 p.m. So we're just – I sat there from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And it looked like – and they started calling people that uh, had to come back tomorrow or the next day. Or, and some had to come back on Wednesday. Mm. <laughs> and I was just like, please don't call my name. Please don't call my name. And they didn't. But then they were they, – they pulled a – it seemed very disorganized. But at one point I thought I had to come back. Uh, to make a long story short, at one point I thought I had to come back, and then I was just one of like 20, 30 people that were just cut loose. At one point, I, I was picking up my stuff to leave and come back the next day, and then they said, wait, 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 you 30 people can just go home. <laughs> so I practically and celebration in the courtroom. I, I practically moonwalked out of there and, and went home. So I, I feel very uh, feel very fortunate that uh, I got to go home. So you didn't get a Stephen Avery case? No, that was like my fear. And I had like this, you know, uh, all, all my coworkers at Channel 5 said, oh, they'll let you go because you're in the media. You're not just, you're not juror number seven. You're Carson that does sports on TV. Like the, yeah. if, if, you, if the verdict were to go against the defendant, they could, they could, they, they know where you work. <laughs> so they, yeah. they were pretty confident if I were to get picked that they would have cut me loose. But fortunately, I didn't come to that. Yeah, but uh, I did. I did read. Uh, you know, I didn't ever finish the last putt yeah. book that I told yeah. you about with uh, Tiger Woods against the '95 OSU golf team. Dude, Alan Bratton was a badass. Yeah, 
I know. He's a stud. I know. He is know. a stud. He is cut from the holder mold. But um, so that was my my day was spent mostly reading. I wish I'd brought my laptop. I didn't know you could bring it. Some people just brought theirs, and I could have been tweeting all day. But uh, nonetheless, but we have a lot off, to get to. You're better off reading a book. Yeah, it was actually pretty enlightening. I enjoyed did you, it. Did you uh, real quick. It? No, I, I, it was such, it was so stop and start. I didn't get to finish, but there was a great tiger story real quick before we move on to OSU sports. Uh, Chris Tidland who played at OSU was played this just marathon sudden death match against tiger. And they remembered each other from that. And they've got to play together over in Europe and they were playing alternate shot and tiger on the tee dead serious turns to Chris and goes, which side of the fairway do you want it on left or right? (laughs) And Tidlin goes, I'm just trying to hit it in the fairway at all. And he goes, that's when I knew Tiger was thinking about the game at a different level than everybody else. <laughs> How crazy is that? This is an amateur Tiger going, which side of the fairway do you want it on? That's incredible. I love it. I love all those. I, w- I love all old, like, either college or even pro sports stories, but especially, like, the golf stuff and – I don't know, just stuff that I feel like everything's so overcovered now that we know everything, and it's like there's no room for like fun stories like that that you didn't get to see. Yeah, and uh, like if if that was if if that happened in 2019, you'd have some writer there tweeting about it right after it happened, and it's like, well, this you know, it just everything just gets out there so quickly now. So it's it's fun to go back and read some of that stuff. That, that's a good that's good stuff. Yeah, I would encourage any OSU fan or golf fan to to pick that up. It's 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 an awesome read. Yeah, uh, we have a lot to get to. I actually taped like a mini. It wasn't really a podcast. Just a just like thirteen minutes of me talking because so much happened on Monday. <laughs> I took some Twitter questions and it was it was kind of fun. I think we're gonna try to do more like audio like immediate reaction like that after stuff happens. We did a kind of we we Kyle Cox and I kind of did that with a the basketball game on Saturday. It's just cause it was a fun Oklahoma state win. So we taped, you know, 15 minutes of audio did, we did a video at the same time, but we posted the audio to, uh, this feed. Uh, so if you're getting this feed, then you would have gotten those. And we're thinking about maybe creating a separate feed just for that instant reaction stuff and leaving this for, for me and you, but either way, we're going to try to do more of that, uh, in 2019. Call it like quick draw pistols quickly come up with a catchy name for that i like that quick draw that's good i'm gonna i'm gonna write that down quick draw yeah okay great i was just brainstorming for you yeah it's phenomenal um Uh, let's get to it kyle what Uh, do you want what what's to you so so much happened on monday what was the biggest piece of news to you like what was the most important thing well obviously i i We'll get to Tyron. I don't think Tyron's the biggest news. I thought your sourced reporting on on Todd Munkin was by far the most interesting thing I saw. Mm. A because you you had some scoopage, and uh, B because I thought anyone that was mentioning Todd Munkin was frankly dreaming. Yeah. And you say otherwise. You say that uh, he was Mike Gundy's choice. Now, being Mike Gundy's first choice and the chances of him of of coming are two different things, but. You do make the point in your in your article on pistols firing that you know Todd Munkin's son perhaps might go to OSU, uh, so I thought all that was very interesting and um, it, it makes a lot of sense because we have heard nothing regarding the OC position and now that Todd Munkin has a job maybe we will. I thought that was the, by far the most interesting piece. Yeah, that was one part of it is that we haven't heard anything and so that to me was sort of um, 
like Gundy waiting to see what happened. And I had heard that from multiple places. And then the other thing was that, that Munkin called Gundy after he got the Browns job and spoke with him. And I, and I think that, I don't know. I, I know they're friends and I know they're close or, or, or as close as anybody gets to Gundy or whatever. But that to me signified that not that they were like in serious talks about Munkin being the offensive coordinator, but that he was legitimately, um, if all the NFL stuff fell through, interested, you know? And, and again, like a lot of that is the NFL stuff was probably never going to fall through as you've been talking about all year. He's been, he's raved about in those circles. So like he was going to get picked up somewhere, but I think there was at least some interest on his side of, of the OSU job. If the one in hundred chance that he didn't get picked up. And and that was the part that was pretty intriguing to me. Very intriguing. I, I still think that, you know, he may like just the, the career path to me made no sense. Why would you leave OSU to be a head coach? Yeah. And, and give that up to go be in a he, – he basically gave, gave that up to be a quarterback's coach at Tampa. I know, I know. So it seems to me like his heart's totally set on, on the NFL. Now, working with your best friend is very enticing. So that, that was interesting to me. And uh, it's interesting to me also to see where this goes. Also in your column, you, you mentioned the possibility of, it, of Mike Gundy keeping it in-house. You and I have yeah. talked about that for several weeks. That makes a lot of sense. And you did you did mention I thought it was a very good point by you. It's a very delicate situation, isn't it, with how well um, Casey Dunn's done at the at the wide receiver coach position. Yeah, he would he feel slighted if you give that to Josh Henson, who just got to Stillwater while he's been just raking in Blitnikoff awards. That is a very <laughs> that is a very touchy subject for Mike Gundy to handle. Yeah, and and the people that I talked to ha- have kind of um, insinuated or or even said like he he doesn't I think Gundy doesn't really know how to handle that and and that's that's tough that's one of the that's one of the that's I mean, that's why you make five point one million dollars a year right like you have to make the difficult decisions that uh, that reverberate that could affect your staff long term and and who knows how that's going to play out but uh, to me it's it's I would be. Here's where I'm at right now. And again, this stuff changes all the time, but this is where I'm at as of Tuesday, January 15th is I think, I think Gundy is going to do one of three things. I think he's going to hire Josh Henson as the offensive coordinator and bring in uh Bodie reader as the quarterback's coach reader. Hasn't been offered a job, but I think he eventually will be if they hire in house, or I think he's going to hire Casey Dunn and bring in reader or, I think he is going to make um, them co-offensive coordinators and bring in Reader. The source that I talked to said that might not work out in terms of um, philosophies and personalities and and things like that in terms of having co-offensive coordinators. But I do think that's where we're at right now. And I would be surprised, Carson, if we got uh, a repeat of 20, when was it, 2013 uh, when he brought in Yursich. I, I just, I don't see that happening again uh, in this specific situation, maybe it will. I, I I don't know that for sure, but that's that's kind of my feeling on it after having talked to people as of today. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me because it seems like at this point, Mike Gundy has his system. He doesn't want to bring in someone that's going to bring in their own philosophy. If that makes sense. I think yeah. even when he brought in Mike Yursich, it took him two or three years to get established before his philosophy was really a big part of the offense. Um, if I were him, I would probably 
sit down with Casey Dunn and I'm sure he will and say, what are your career aspirations? Are you dead set on being an offensive coordinator? Yeah. Or do you want to continue to, to do what you've been doing here and we'll, we'll get you a raise. We can give you the co-head coach title and more money, but if you don't want to mess with play calling, we'll do that. But if Casey Dunn is dead set on being a play caller and that's what he wants to do, I think he's earned a shot. Wait, co- um, co-head coach or co-offensive coordinator? I think he's earned a shot as the play caller. As no, far no, no, as you, you said, you said that he would give him the title of co-head coach. You meant co-offense. No, if he doesn't want to be the play caller, you can give him a title as co-head coach slash wide receivers coach. Uh, okay. that's, just, that's just a it's just a title that you give. Like, um, who else? Someone at OU had that title at one point. Um, like co-head coach, or you know, you, you make up a title basically on the and get to, it's basically just a cheap way of getting someone more money in a raise, essentially. Yeah. without giving him more responsibility. So whatever you want to call it, do that. But if he wants to call plays, like I know Josh Henson has more experience with that. Maybe that's the the shrewd decision. Um, and that's a tough decision for me, but people people forget like Josh Henson's Missouri offense was horrendous his final year at Missouri. That's why he got let go. I mean, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't as if he was this hot shot play caller. Now, again, Take that with a grain of salt. It could have been offensive line injuries. I didn't follow Missouri that closely. I just remember seeing right. their numbers being the worst in the country for a for a program that's used to scoring a lot of points. So there are arguments against Josh Hinson, but I think ultimately that's what he's going to do. I think he's going to go with the guy who's been an offensive coordinator before. And to me, it seems as if Casey Dunn's content to be a receivers coach and um, can continue to do that. Yeah. Uh I looked up their uh, points per drive his last year as the Missouri offensive coordinator. Out of, I think there were 128 teams at the time, Missouri was 121st in points per drive. And it, it wasn't good at all. But again, it's like, there it's are... It's like Kansas. It's like Kansas. Yeah, that's how bad it was. So experience doesn't always mean, you know, surefire success either. But there is yeah. there is a nuance to play calling. It does take time to learn how to do it properly. So that, that would be a concern if you were to promote. And, I, and I'm not even like dead set on promoting Dunn. I just think you risk, you make a major risk of losing Dunn if you pass him up for Henson. Yeah. And those are the decisions again that are, this is what comes with success, you know, is, is if, if your assistants are successful and if you're, organization is successful then stuff like this is going to happen and i think i think for me it goes back to gundy's disdain for uh, like a lack of continuity and one one person that i talked to said he just like he just doesn't like to hire people like he just doesn't like the process essentially and um i, I like I, I think if he had his if he had it his way he'd just have the same like nine ten assistants or whatever for the next 10 years like just nothing would change and so i don't know that 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 part of me is uh or that part of it is is a little worrisome to me because it's like well that's part of the expectation of the job like this this happens everywhere like this happens at this happens at all good schools you know all schools that are successful and so uh i don't know i i think i think you're right uh i think you're dead on with that the done thing, like if you if you pass him up and and go with Henson, that you you do run the risk of losing him. But if you, I don't I don't know. It, it is it's a tough it's a tough call. It's a tough decision if if you're deciding between those two guys. Well, it's happened before. Remember Gunnar Brewer, receivers coach. Yeah, uh, he was there when Fedora was there. Yeah, and 
he got passed up for, I believe, Dana Holgerson, and he, he left. He went to North Carolina. He was felt wronged and, and left. You know who I would hire, Kyle? The, Graham Harrell? I can't believe – well, yeah, I'd probably hire him. But of realistic candidates, that I, haven't, I haven't even heard his name. Doug Meacham. Mm. Former OSU player. I don't know if there was a bridge burn there or what, but TCU has stunk on offense since he's left. I still don't know why he went to Kansas. He got fired from Kansas. Um, he did a really good job at TCU, and yeah. he has offensive coordinator experience. He he played offensive line for Mike Gundy, so I can't imagine that the bridge has been totally nuked. But yeah, that's somebody I would hire if I was if I if all if all these interchangeable things we've mentioned wasn't a factor. But I think it is. I feel like every time he gets brought up, people are like, "Oh, that that can't happen. You don't know about what happened between him." I know and- they they act like they got in a fist fight or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but do people do talk like that? And I and I don't actually know what happened, but it can't be. I mean, it's been like ten years. I feel like so. Who knows? <laughs> uh, we got a bunch of other stuff to talk about. Do you want to go? Do you want to stay on Gundy and talk about his contract extension? I guess. I mean, it's a one year rollover. Are they gonna throw confetti and put out press releases every off season? <laughs> That's my question. To me, it's a non story, isn't it? To me, it's a story when they don't renew the year, isn't it? Well, what, what did the tweet say? Like, he's as orange as it gets or something like that? <laughs> he's more fired up than ever to be the coach or... Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it is... You, what, what happens when you have these rollover contracts is you run the risk of <laughs> somebody getting an extension in a, a seven and six year or even worse, like a six and six year. And it's like, hey, good job. Here's your... 125k in another year uh (laughs) see in august and it's like it it's i mean i get like you don't want to overreact to one year but the 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 look of it from a pr perspective is just not uh, it's not the greatest look in the world yeah i mean to me it's just an odd odd situation it's it's almost as if they've just painted themselves in a corner and look i think mike gundy deserves to be the coach at OSU as long as he wants with the job he's done. It's just, as you mentioned, it is kind of awkward when you go six and six in the regular season and then you, you pump out this press release that I'm as fired up as ever when, <laughs> when, when you literally only played one quarterback and didn't seem that engaged most of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Maybe we should move on from that. <laughs> uh, do you yeah. want to go, do you want to go with uh, DeAndre Glass or, or Tyron? The incoming. The incoming or the outgoing? Okay, Tyron. Talk Tyron. Uh, I was legit- I, I was legitimately worried for you, concerned for your well-being yesterday when the news broke. Where were you <laughs> at? What were you doing? How how did it play out in your world? Uh, my phone was on E, uh, battery wise in the in the courtroom, waiting to be called to be a juror, and I uh, saw the news. And honestly, Kyle, I wasn't. It is surprising. I don't mean to downplay that, but it it made sense to me because Tyron always seemed like a guy that wanted to just go to, go try and make it in the NFL. I mean, he just seems like he has that level of self-belief. Um, maybe he was frustrated with how few targets he had gotten at Oklahoma State, but to me, he seems like one of those guys that once his three years were up, he was just going to go and, and go just go try and make some money. And I... I do think it would have benefited him to come back, of course, but sometimes guys are just ready to go. And he, he clearly was ready to go. And I, I don't think it's 
all that surprising if you take a step back, but it, I think it certainly hurts Oklahoma State, and it, it was a bit of a surprise, but when you take a step back and realize who Tyron is, it's not that surprising. Yeah, and he's been in college for a long time. I got this question yesterday, and I think he's uh, he was born in 96, so he's going to be 23 this year. Um, he's not, you know, do you want to be 24 going into the NFL draft next year? Probably not, you know, and so – you kind of, I mean, it, you're right in that it makes sense that you ride the wave of the last three or four games where you, you played pretty well and uh, you'll probably test well and, you know, um, but I, I don't know. I For me, like, it's not great for OSU, but I don't, I, it's not like a huge concern. They're so deep and so good at wide receiver that I just, I mean, will they, do they drop off at, at that position yeah maybe a little but I, I don't worry about it like I worry about some of the other positions yeah no I, I agree with that it doesn't crush them I mean let's face it other than that stretch he had at the end of this year he was just a guy for the most yeah. part he didn't yeah. get the ball a whole lot and I think Kyle maybe he looked at what Marcel Aitman did his final year just lit it up over a thousand yards close to double digit touchdowns and Marcel Aitman went in like the seventh round yeah. So maybe Tyron's like, I'll test well at the combine, and if if he gets an in- combine invite, he might not, for all I know. But he'll know. certainly he'll certainly go to pro day, and at this point, I think he's just ready to go. And I, I think seeing Marcel Aitman have the monster year he had and still going in the seventh, I think it, he realizes that it comes down to your individual skill set more so than what you did in college. Yeah, for sure. Uh, will he wear a shirt at pro day? Do you think? I would put the odds of him wearing a shirt at plus 900. Every every time I saw him at like warming up before a game without his uniform on, no shirt ever. Never. I've never <laughs> Even seen the cold? it. I've yeah, at the at the uh at the bowl game, at the Liberty Bowl, it was rainy, it was kind of nasty, just just no shirt, just out there running around and um, you know, I do you think he has a chance to make it in the NFL? I do because it's it's such a crapshoot, though. A lot of it depends on what team picks you. I mean, look at Aitman going in the seventh round, and he I was know. starting at the end of the year for the Raiders. He was more productive than than Washington. Did he go in the seventh round, or was he undrafted? Marshall Aitman. I want to say he went in the seventh round. I don't remember. I'll look it up. But, you know, it's it's a crapshoot. I mean, look, and I am in no way calling Tyron Johnson Antonio Brown, but by no stretch. Antonio Brown went in the sixth round. So maybe he looks at that. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys that go late in, at receiver that make it. So I think he his idea is just get me in the league, let me go make some plays, and see what happens. Marcel was uh, picked 228, seventh round. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I don't know. I mean, who knows? It's a crapshoot. He's betting on himself. Should he have come back for another year? Probably. But yeah. I don't I don't begrudge him and I don't think it's all that surprising. Yeah, I just I, I don't I don't know that he should have. I mean, I, now that I think about it, I didn't really give this a ton of thought. I just I guess presumed that he would have come back, but I don't know. Being 24 going into pro football, that's you're getting not old, but you're getting up there. I think that I don't know. You kind of just are who you are at some point. And I, uh, I don't know. I think he could succeed to me so much. So many of these guys, other than like the top 15 or I don't know, maybe 25 guys or whatever. 
it's all about fit. It's all about getting breaks and being in the right place at the right time. It really is. And uh, so maybe he does that. I, I mean, certainly he ha- everybody at that level, like the level that he's at to where you, you're like teams are thinking about draft you, drafting you has enough skill to play in the league. It's just about whether you can display that skill at the right time for the right team. And here's the thing that fans and and people like us don't talk about. You know, these are human beings. Do you know how much a practice player makes, Kyle, in a year on the NFL? Probably like 80 grand. $130,000. Wow. Wouldn't you rather go be a practice? Like, this is is like the worst case scenario for me if I'm Tyron Johnson. Go be on a practice squad and make 130K. Yeah. Like, that's the worst case scenario. Bag year. So... And again, practice players are iffy; they can get cut. But that's he wants to just go make money. So I don't, I don't fault him. And you know, as you said, oh, she's gonna be just fine at receiver. Yeah, I'm uh, gonna miss him. I'm gonna miss him though. I know, I know. We're gonna, we're no surprise. We're both gonna toast him in our upcoming toast. Uh, okay, two more things. You want to talk about DeAndre Glass or Isaac Likely? Glass. Surprised that he committed. No, because Kyle Boone and Dustin Ragusa predicted he'd come to OSU, and I, I trust those guys. They they follow recruiting pretty well. And it to me, it seemed as if as w- the way they laid it out was Alabama was pretty full, Texas was pretty full, and he thinks he can play right away at OSU. He wants to win the Heisman his he first thinks, year. He thinks he can win the Heisman. Bring it. They need more guys like that. <laughs> this is the type of recruit OSU needs, man. This is the type of guy you and I have been – I've been yeah. pining for. I know, I know. Give me, that, give me all the guys that think they can win Heisman. Well, that that was sort of. I, I wrote uh, a winners and losers piece on uh, t- Tuesday, it, Tuesday afternoon. You were one of the losers, by the way. I was. Ty- Tyron's gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't but see this. I, t- I it just posted, but I I talked about how. Um. Tyron was a guy that not to go back to Tyron, but it, it kind of ties into glass. Tyron was always like the, like he, he jawed at anybody. He didn't care who was on OU. He didn't, you know, like he, he just wanted to, he just wanted to play ball and you're right. Like OSU needs more personalities and leadership that are like, yeah, we're awesome. We're going to be awesome. And we're confident about it. Cause I, I just, that, that, that was not the sense that I got from the, the team or the organization at all this year. And, and I think you're right that they do need more of that. I love it. I love it. Uh, big time get. I mean, I guess we got to maybe toast John Wozniak too for getting a big time running back recruit. Yeah. Is that falling the f- in the footsteps of, uh, of Marcus Arroyo? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's huge. And, and now I said this on, on Monday when I did, did the audio thing, but, um, they go from being depleted at running back to all of a sudden it's like, Oh, they're, they're pretty good at running back again, you know? And, and it, and it can turn around just like that. And so I, I think that even with Tyron gone, I think, I think the offense next year is still pretty exciting. Chuba. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pumped. Did you PFB, see my PFB? Nate took a shot at me in the comments asking, who are we going to fawn over now that that Tyron's gone? And I replied with just Chuba. <laughs> I'm shocked that PFB Nate took a shot at you. Uh, let's talk about Isaac Likely real quick. Okay. Did you see what he did at West Virginia on Saturday? Yes, I did. I was working that day, and I, I showed the dunk on repeat that he had. That was like Tony Allen in his prime. He's that was, he's that was big time. He's awesome. 
and look, I get it. Like I, he's, he's inconsistent, right? The six games before that he'd averaged like six points and he turns it over and whatever because he's 18 years old. You know, I, I think that, I think it's easy to look at these guys and be like, Oh, well they sh-, you know, he should just average 20 and 10 right away. And you're like, well, he's 18 and he wasn't, he's not a top 50 guy, you know, like, like, or a top, I don't even think he's a top hundred guy. Like he's just a, he's just a solid player who I think can be really good in college. And you and I talked about this with Marshall Scott. Oklahoma State doesn't have a bucket getter. He looks like he could be a bucket getter. Now, will he be for the rest of the year? I don't know, but he looks like he could be. And and to me, that's exciting. Yeah. I tweeted after the West Virginia game, he looks like an all big 12 caliber point guard. I think yeah. he was a huge, huge get late. I mean, he was committed late to Texas Tech, or that's kind of where people thought he was going to go. And he switched very late to Mike Boynton. That's a big get. Look what Texas Tech's doing. Doesn't he? He looks like he would fit down there, doesn't he? I know. So that was a that was a huge late flip from Mike Boynton. I think I think before his career's over, he'll be an All Big Twelve point guard. But all that being said, Kyle, did he get goose egged against Baylor? Did last he? Night? I, did, I didn't cover it. Marshall and and Kyle Cox covered it. Did he? he did he, he? He didn't score. He goose egged zero points. Not good. So <laughs> I think we have to preface all of our praise with uh, he's still 18 and still inconsistent. But uh, yeah, for sure, I, I didn't get to watch the game. I just got off jury duty. The last thing I needed to do was watch OSU Baylor. I had to go <laughs> home. I had to go home and eat food. <laughs> that was a higher priority. OSU, but, OSU um, was OSU. I did see that OSU was lights out from three and still lost, which is is never a good sign. You know, watching that West Virginia game, they are so. And I, I I knew this going in, but it was very stark in the West Virginia game. They're just so thin down low. I mean, they just. It's like if you know. I mean, McGriff is a is a body. Like he's he's good. And then Yorin A is gets in foul trouble, and then they got to bring in. Contravius Jones, who's now like suspended, and it, they're just they got nothing down there, and it and it becomes difficult. It's very difficult to beat teams that put up ten more shots than you, fifteen more shots than you, because they're getting all these offensive rebounds, and you have to be pretty efficient offensively to beat those teams. And on Saturday they were, uh, but at other times in in Big Twelve play and throughout the year they haven't been. Baylor was fifteen of twenty five from three for sixty percent. So that's as good as OSU was. Baylor hit more. So. That's unbelievable. Not good. So, disappointing uh, loss. I mean, they they just can't figure out those midweek games. Kyle, this is reminiscent of last year. I know. So they go on the they go on the road, beat West Virginia, beat Kansas, and then come back for that Tuesday game against either Baylor or TCU, and just just lay an egg against a, a winnable opponent. So that's that's super disappointing. And if Contravius Jones gets kicked off the team, you're right, man. They're they're in dire straits on the, in the front court. I know. I know. Uh, okay, we are going to uh, – we're going to take a break. We're going to toast. Uh, we're not going to take a break. We're just going to toast. And I'm going to ask you for your toast. And presuming it's it's Tyron, I want, you, I want your favorite Tyron memory or Tyron play over the last two years. So it's time for the Coupe Works Toast of the Week. Coupe Works bring a great-tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party, tailgate, or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coupe Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Carson, are you toasting uh, Tyron Siren one more time? I've got three Tyron Sirens cracked right now for my top three Tyron plays of his career. Are you ready? <laughs> wow, you got three. Okay. Let's, I've got let's three. Go. 
Number three was the first game of his career at OSU against Tulsa when Mason, when Mason <laughs> Rudolph just, just lobs it up and he mossed that poor dude uh, against Tulsa and starts high-stepping around the end zone. And I think you and I were texting at that point, and <laughs> you were like just aghast at what you'd just seen. I, I, I think I texted you and said he's my favorite player of all time. <laughs> <laughs> after one play he's my favorite osu player of all time because he he looked like odell beckham in uniform and then he just mossed a dude in his first game so that that's my uh that's my he, number three he did the he did the jason terry like flying through the end zone thing <laughs> yeah just did like high knees with the jason terry the whole way down uh, that was uh, great. okay uh, number two n- number number two was the one that you you gift in your winners and losers where he he shredded Parnell Motley's Achilles tendons with his cut <laughs> inside that slant or that uh, that post move he did where it Parnell Motley sick. never. I think he I think he ruined Parnell Motley's career. He's never been the same since. Like Parnell Motley got subbed in that game. They had to bench him because Tyron was just roasting him. He was abusing him. And I guess that's my big takeaway too, because uh, was how good Tyron was in Bedlam. You start with that game. And my number one moments, another Bedlam game from this year when he mossed uh, one of the OU defensive backs, can't remember who it was, and then threw up the X. That was yeah. just <laughs> like put put that picture from uh, Jackson LaVarnway in a frame and yeah. just put it up in the shed. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's, my office. It's so good. <laughs> That's what I need on my, uh, my office setup where you can see me when we do our videos and stuff. I need to have yeah. like a – a framed Tyron throwing up the X. If, you if need Jackson's like a, listening, have him send me one. You need like a fat head of Tyron throwing up the X. <laughs> uh, gone, gone but not forgotten. I will toast a uh, Saturday Siren to Tyron. Yeah, I'll go Saturday Siren to Tyron as well. Uh, and my 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 favorite memory, favorite play was was one of the ones you mentioned, the, the post against OU. Un, maybe an unnecessary dive at the end, but... <clears throat> It made it fifty five fifty two with nine minutes left, and that was that was as euphoric and as crazy as I can remember a feeling inside Boone Pickens Stadium for any game. And it was it was just like what are, it felt like the uh, the Rams Chiefs game that that Monday night game where you're just like what am I watching? This is absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. And uh, yeah, him filling in for James Washington that night it was. It was an all-time game uh, from him, and and uh, a, a great memory. So, uh, what it felt like, what it felt yeah. like to me in that moment, Kyle, was, oh, OSU has a dude that's more athletic, faster, and better than anything OU has on defense. Yeah. it was like a total, total like role reversal in that. Oh, OSU has one of those freaks that you just can't teach. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me, and that's why I wanted him to get the ball so much. But that was uh, – he was awesome in Bedlam, for sure. Yeah, he was. Uh, okay, let's get to this week's OSU schedule, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop Cowboys shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, men's basketball played on Monday, so that's out of the way. There's a lot of wrestling this week, wrestling at West Virginia on Friday, and then Saturday's a big day, women's basketball at Kansas on Saturday – wrestling at Pitt on Saturday and uh, men's basketball at Iowa state on Saturday. That would be a nice win for Mike Boynton and his team to go back on the road against a not great Iowa state team and, and get a win there. That's a, that's a tough place to win. And that would be huge for their, um, their confidence level. 
did you hear what happened? Yeah, any win at Hilton, you just take and run out of there. Yeah. But did you hear what happened with Dayton Fix, the the LeBron James recruit in wrestling? I did. Apparently, it was very controversial. He was wrestling. My my dad keeps me up to date on all this because he's a big wrestling fan. Um, <laughs> no, I'm I'm not joking about that. No, like I, uh, I know, one, I know. One of my uh, one of my cousins married an OSU wrestler and has followed it pretty close. And obviously, when you and I were in college, man, they were winning four straight national titles. So yep. I would always go to the duels too. Uh, Dayton Fix was wrestling a guy that he had wrestled in high school. He's like the number two guy in the country. And in high school, Kyle, they had like the longest wrestling match in high school history. It went to like a million overtimes. They wrestled for like 32 minutes. Oh my gosh. Most wrestling matches are like seven. They wrestled for 32 minutes. So they had history and they go into overtime again. And I guess there's a new rule in college wrestling where you can't slap the guy's face, which when I was growing up that's like all they did the whole time was slap each other in the head and i guess they called it on the guy that fix was wrestling and fix won because of that and i guess it was a very soft call and one that shouldn't have been made but uh fix won in a very controversial manner but uh those two will probably see each other again come national tournament time but uh fix got the w is dayton fix gonna lose in in college ever Oh, probably. I mean, as a true, f- or is he a true freshman or redshirt? I think maybe redshirt he's freshman. He's redshirt. Yeah. It's tough, man, to get, to win four national titles. There's a, it's a very short list. So especially and then going undefeated is even more ridiculous. But if anybody could do it, it's him. Yeah, the Le- the LeBron of of college wrestling. Okay, uh, we got a question. I actually have two questions for you this week, Carson. My first. We kind of touched on earlier, and I think we probably have the same answer. But if you had to pick, if if the decision comes down to between Casey Dunn and Josh Henson or both as Mike Gundy's choice, who do you think will be the pick? I think Henson. I think yeah, it'll I be Henson. Too. I do think as a way to appease Casey Dunn, he gets the co-title, but Henson will be the play caller. I think that's how it shakes down. Okay, so you think they'll be named co, but that Henson will be calling plays. Yes, I think you give Dunn a pay raise in the co-title, um, but I think I think Henson will be up in the booth calling plays. Okay, but that, that's another aspect. Will he be down on the field if he is? I guess we'll get to that if he gets named. But I tell you, it's tricky being an offensive line coach too. Yeah, I know the whole who thing handles is, them on the field if he's up in the booth. I know the whole thing is tricky. I, I I've gone back and forth on this. I've talked to people who who definitely think it's Henson. I've talked to people who think it's Dunn. I've, I, I, I don't know. I, I tend to side with you, but I, I don't think there will be a co-offense. I think he'll just name Henson and Dunn will get some sort of pay raise, but not a change in title. Like I, I think he'll still be the wide receivers coach. Dunn goes to Bama next year. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, okay. My other question got posed to me on Monday. I thought it was a great question. Who? Who is the favorite? Who's the who's the early 2019 favorite for Uni Heisman now that that Tyron's gone? Ooh, that is a good question. I I, I would said, have to examine that. If said, Chuba switches numbers, it's him. But I don't know if I can pick him at 30. What do you want him to go to? One, two, mm. three, single digit nine, nine, <laughs> nine would be weird. I don't I don't like that. Uh, oh, I, I like it. I like all the single digits. I like to see him in like, I, well, you can't do twenty one, but twenty two. Yeah. What's like a is there a is there a number that's ultra Canadian? 
I don't mind 30. What's wrong with 30? Uh, it's fine. I just, I don't know. I'd, I'd prefer like 31. I like 30. Like I liked, I liked, I liked, uh, not Tyreek. I liked Justice Hill going from 27 to, to five. I really yeah. liked that. Yeah, that was good. Uh, my Who's answer, your pick? My answer was, was Calvin Bundage. Yeah, he needs more accessories for me. <laughs> Two 33-year-old men talking about the accessories of a junior in college. Yeah, um, Tylen looks pretty sharp. Um, I'd have to. I need to see the incoming guys, like the like, like uh, the running backs. I want to see the JUCO guy. I want to see obviously Glass. Yeah, that that's something I'm interested in seeing. Um, Spencer. Sanders might be it. I, I, I every time you guys post a story about him and use one of Jackson's photos, he, he looks pretty sharp. In the yeah. Evening. Great, great helmet, great face mask, great accessories. Got the, they might be Spencer. He's got the number. Drew Brown's up there too. He yeah, looks like Drew, a, he looks like Baker reincarnated with the same <laughs> number and the he wears the same helmet and face mask and visor. <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. We'll we'll definitely have to. Uh, re uh reintroduce that as a weekly thing because no longer is it just presumed that tyron will well he won't be there so he won't get it anymore um okay one more time let's hear from our sponsor chris's university spirit i'll we'll come back and wrap things up with uh one interesting thing that we saw over the last week chris's university spirit on campus corner in stillwater oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, uh, my one interesting thing for the week is I did not realize Kyle Cox has been doing a great job covering kind of Oklahoma State stuff in the NFL for us, and he wrote a post kind of recapping uh, everybody who got playing time over the last year, and I, I knew that Chris Carson had a great year. I did not realize he was fifth in the NFL in rushing this year. Fifth? Over 1,000 yards. I mean, I didn't realize it either. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, I'm pulling up the rushing leaders, but uh, to go from, you know, not uh, – I can't find him. To, to go from not having, you know, I wouldn't say he had a great college career. I'd say it was good and it got better at the end. But to do that – to go from there to thriving in the NFL, I mean, how many of these does – do do you feel like these guys that go from OSU and and have okay careers but then light it up in the NFL is that an indictment on OSU or is it just situational? I think it really matters where you go. I mean, I think he went to the perfect team. I mean, nobody runs the football more than Seattle. No coach likes a smash mouth running back more than Pete Carroll. So I don't I don't think it's an indictment on OSU at all. And I, I do think Chris Carson got hurt at OSU. And he really came on when he came back from that. His last his last few games at OSU, he was playing like he is now, and he even broke his leg in the NFL and came back. Um, so I think he went to the perfect spot, and I think Tyreek Hill went to the absolute perfect spot with Andy Reid going to the, basically the spread offense with with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's a perfect combination. 
So had Tyreek gone to Jacksonville, there's no way he'd be doing what he's doing there because they have Blake Bortles at quarterback in a a revolving door of offensive coordinators. So I, I, I'm not too quick to blame OSU. Do, do I think Tyreek could have had more touches and been better utilized? Of course I do. But uh, no, it's it's a testament to Chris Carson. He was a seventh round pick as well. I mentioned Marcel Aitman. He was a seventh round pick too. Did you see that uh, Patty Mahomes is the first uh, Big Twelve quarterback to win a playoff game in the NFL? I did. That doesn't That's, include Big Eight, I assume. No, it doesn't. That's insane, though. That is crazy. They haven't That's, had hardly any have success. I know. Chase Daniels been in the league a long time. Yeah. Uh, Sam Bradford never won a playoff. Sam Bradford didn't make the playoffs his rookie year, I think. But um, no, that's a that's a crazy stat. Colt McCoy is still playing. Uh, okay, I got I got the top ten rushers this year. Ezekiel Elliott was number one. Saquon two. Gurley three. Joe Mixon four. And then Carson, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, uh, Adrian Peterson. I didn't realize he was eighth. Philip Lindsay and Nick Chubb. And when you throw in wow. Sonny, Sonny Michelle at 15, Georgia running backs made up three of the top 15, <laughs> which is that's crazy. Nuts. Yeah, yeah. That's nuts. Uh, okay. What was your one interesting thing for the week? My one interesting thing. I don't really have one this week. I think we took them all. I was going to talk about jury duty, but we did that off the top. I was going to talk about Alan Bratton being a badass. I already talked about that. I think your Tiger story should be your one interesting thing. About him picking which um, side yeah. of the fairway? It's sick. Well, and, and this is also interesting, too. Uh, there's so many Mike Holder stories. This one was, and you mentioned how crazy these stories that go under, that go uncovered are. There was a tournament, I think it was uh, it was the NCAA National Championships, and OSU looked like they were not going to make the cut. They were going to finish outside the top 15 or whatever it was. And Mike Holder gives them a tongue lashing, says, none of you guys are playing for me next year. They were so convinced they were getting eliminated, he packs up the van with all their clubs, and they just stuck around just to, just to wait. Well, like Arizona, who was a defending national champion, blew up, and and so did another team, and they all there was a three-way tie, so they did like a three-way playoff, and OSU won and got to stick around. So they had to like, and, and there's this great story of Holder saying that we're gonna kick their ass in the playoff. That they're they're gonna wish they never let us in, and it's just it's a great. This book is amazing if you're interested in who Mike Holder is, and he yeah. is a fascinating character. Yeah, and, and there's a great story how he didn't want Chris Tidlin, made him walk on, and Chris Tidlin ends up becoming one of the best golfers in school history. Yeah, he was and Holder, awesome. And and Holder just liked his his work ethic is the only reason he even gave him a walk on spot. So it's yeah. If you're interested in more learning more about Mike Holder, this is the most I've learned about the guy in my entire career just reading this book. So that yeah. I guess that's my one interesting thing is there are so many good Mike Holder stories in this book. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. That's all I got. It's good stuff, Carson. I'm glad you got out of jury duty. I'm glad we got to tape a pod this week. And uh, yeah, what do you what do you got coming up this week? What are you doing? You anchoring? Uh, yeah, I'll be working this week, and uh, same for this weekend. We've been watching some NFL action, and uh, we'll see if uh, Tyree Kill can go win a Super Bowl and the, him and against Tom Brady. 
The, I, don't, uh, I don't know who I'm rooting for here between the, Mahomes and Brady. Those are two awesome quarterbacks to watch. Kansas City, the, the NFL is kind of fun. I'm not into the NFL. I don't watch it. I don't watch it. I don't read it. Um, <laughs> but I have watched a little bit of it. The Rams are kind of fun. The Rams-Cowboys game was fun. I'm kind of into it. Saints are fun. It's kind of been great. Rams-Saints should be insane. It's turned into college football. The top four scoring offenses are the final four left. Yeah. So. It's great. Fun to watch. Yeah. Um, okay. We'll be back next week to uh, <laughs> hopefully we won't. Well, hopefully we do have as much news, but hopefully it's uh, it's good news for Oklahoma State. So uh, probably an offensive coordinator announcement, I, I assume, in the next week or two, I would hope. Um, but, yeah, we'll be back, and uh, we'll talk soon, Carson. Sounds good. We'll see you. Okay. See you.